Howdy, yokes! Before we get started today, we just want to let you know that this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by you. We want to build this thing to be as big as it can be. More episodes, merchandise, events, giveaways, you name it. But we can't do it alone. If you enjoy this episode or any of our episodes, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and consider checking out some of the great reward tiers we've got set up over there or make a donation of any kind. We want to keep this podcast free and available for everyone. So so if you have a couple of bucks to spare, anything goes a long way. And we could really use your help to make this podcast the best it can be. So thank you for donating and thank you even more for listening. Howdy, Yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. You got on that one quick. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. <laughs> and we're heading back to the wizarding world of Harry Potter. But this time we're in England. So put your name in the couple of fire, Harry. And bow to your hippogriff. Because we've got a special guest today. For Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It's another twofer. We're doing twofers all day. Our guest today is the host of the YouTube channel Watso Videos. His name is Isaac Carlson, and he is like the nicest, most easy to talk to person I've ever met in my entire life. Like the whole process of meeting him in DC and then getting him on this show was like, hey, Isaac, are you free at this time? And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then here we are. And then Isaac, what's your Skype username? It's this. And here we are. It was amazing. Isaac, who are you? What is your success? How do people get in touch with you? Etc. Etc. All right, Tyler. So on my channel, Watso Videos, I discuss Disney theories and character profile videos to spread the magic of Disney to everyone. That's super exciting. You, you're a fun person making fun videos for fun people, right? Oh, absolutely. Fun topics for fun people all day. That's what it is. Fun topics for fun people. I knew I could get what a, tagged. What right. a great. <laughs> What a great, uh, what would you call that? Like, like a, what, what part of mission statement? Yeah, like kind of like yeah. the motto is what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. a good you one. You only that's live good once. Mm -hmm. Yo, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Drake in here. Picking an eggs and Watso and Drake. <laughs> Kiki, do you love me? No. Um, okay, so I want to run down some quick stats on these films um, before we get just, into just the first film, you, just the first film, and then um, Isaac. Just so you know, I don't know if you've done all of your Pottermore quizzes, but about halfway through this show, we're gonna ask you for the answers from those. So if you can pull those up while I'm running through, these, okay, that would be great. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of <laughs> Cabin. I'm sorry, Prisoner of Azkaban was released on May 31st, 2004. That was 5,166 days ago, which is a long time. That just stresses me out how long ago that was. Yeah. That was like... It was a while. Forever. It was a while. But it had a, good while. a $130 million budget. And I remember when we were slotting everything for the bracket, we were doing it by box office. And I remember Harry Potter just being absolutely decimated by the other everything we had to choose from. I guess because it was competing directly with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But $796.7 million worldwide is no joke of a box office. That's a good run. And that's what this movie made. And uh, it got excellent reviews and 91% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 86% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 82 on Metacritic. Yeah, that's a pretty freaking high Metacritic score. That is a score. But this this is a film critics movie though. This is oh, an Alfonso is. Cuarón movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is a well this, shot yeah, film. This dude makes real movies for real people. <laughs> yeah, I've seen quite a few YouTube breakdowns of like what makes this film like the most artistic and like the best transition film of them all. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And definitely. it's it's shot really interesting. Like the acts are broken up. Like if you watch right where the third act starts, it like it, like the, what the camera work does is it like completely shutters and then it's black for like moments. Like almost like they were like. 
time for an intermission. And then it comes back full screen and the third act starts and you almost don't realize how weird the transition is. Well, I mean, you definitely don't realize that the third act is starting because you're only 25 minutes into the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. The third act, it actually is like surprisingly quick how fast they go through that whole process of uh, like uh, Malfoy, Hippogriff, Shrieking Shack. There's another piece in there, but they do it twice and it goes just bing, bang, boom. I mean, for sure. But when they, when they first came on the screen with Malfoy and I was like, she's about to do the thing. She's about to punch him in the face. How is this happening already? It's like, I knew the timeline of the movie, but it's going by so quickly. Um, I I do want to say on the topic of this movie though, this movie more so than any of the other ones we've reviewed, like that are kind of stuck out in time a little bit from, from the newer movies. This movie does not look 5,000 days old. No, no, it looks really nice. Yeah. This one has held up remarkably well. Yeah. Considering the first two Harry Potter movies did not. And any thoughts on that, Isaac? Um, yeah, the first two movies, like they're the CGI is kind of weak, and yes. the styling is a lot different from the rest of the films. So it those two kind of stick out on their own because Prisoner of Azkaban kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's definitely like a the first two could have been Disney Channel original movies, and the last six could be like real feature length films. Right, mm-hmm. like. The Harry Potter and the Pres- Sorcerer's Stone looked like a Lifetime movie. Like, it looked like a made-for-TV movie. This yeah. looks... This still is, I think, the best-looking one of the, the series. Mm-hmm. Because I it's, have a hard time... To- it's not well, but, super, but- super, super dark... Before we get really deep into our, our review and oh, we gotta do the discussion positive, of what the film looks, yeah, yeah. let's do some positive negative reviews and a binary review, and then let's uh, get into the, the minutia. I, I wanted to say the thing about it not being or not looking 5,000 days old before I forgot to say that. Gotcha. Because I've been thinking that since yesterday. I was like, I gotta, I gotta mention, like, this movie doesn't look that old. Right. Um, so I have a positive review for this movie from Jeremy Johns over at jeremyjohns.com. He says, Prisoner of Azkaban baffled me and completely floored me. It shows that Harry Potter ages with people. And I love that little quip there at the end, that Harry Potter ages with people, because I think it's so accurate. Like, I have a really hard time imagining in my mind what a 14-year-old looks like and thinks about if it's not just, like... Well, he's 13, so... Whatever. 13-year-old looks like and thinks about if it's not just absolute raging hormones and literally nothing productive whatsoever. So I, I feel like this does a really good job but i also remember when i was 14 thinking like adults definitely don't get what's going on in my mind it's not just raging hormones i really have thoughts real things are bothering well they me. also waited a long time in these movies and these books to bring in the whole hormones thing like yeah, yeah it was way too long yeah like the, the next one even it's just they're still super 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 awkward and like they feel like they're supposed to be afraid of girls and whatever there's a there's a total i'll, I'll discuss it more when we get yeah. to goblet of fire but there's in the second half of the show but there's a i think that the yule bulbs a cop out and i'll, I'll get more about into that later <laughs> anyway i have a negative review of this and this comes from thomas delapa of boulder daily i'm guessing that's boulder colorado their daily newspaper uh this guy says though harry potter's now a teenager daniel radcliffe hasn't grown an inch as an actor no charmer radcliffe is barely the british version of macaulay culkin (laughs) ouch sometimes i like to grab the ones that stand out just because of how harsh they are on a movie that just doesn't deserve it but this time it's particularly harsh on daniel radcliffe who just doesn't deserve it no damn radcliffe of the of the trio definitely did the best in this one in this one yeah. yeah i agree um i actually remember noting that to myself it was like every single time almost worse than in chamber of secrets every single time ron or hermione spoke it was like whoever was writing this and directing this was like okay what's the most simple line i can give them so that they can just deliver it and be done and it gets their proper exposition and advances the story so that i don't have to have them acting on screen oh too god much. yeah especially when they're talking to each other which happens a lot in this movie yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, they don't really anyway. flex their acting. It's more about, like, just fitting into their character archetypes and just going on. Right, yeah, right. it definitely feels like, with the, especially with the characters of Ron and Hermione, they're like, well, we have to put these two idiots in the movie. Neither of them really do anything, except for one of them has a time-turner. And, <laughs> and the other has scabbers. Well, yeah, the other has scabbers, <laughs> but he's, he's clocked out in the hospital wing for, like, the main part. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's got his leg broken for the other main part. So, Well, I, what I do like about this, though, is that the first two are, like... <laughs> Harry Potter, and what's the best way we can write Hermione out of the story as fast as possible? <laughs> yeah, you make Ron hate her in the first one, and then you petrify her in the second one. But this time, they're like, right. okay, we're going to beat Ron up. We're good. We got, right. we got Hermione yeah. through the whole thing, right to the bitter right. end. Anyway, Even her, though, like in, in the book, and I know we're not going to compare it to the book too much, but in the book, like Hermione spends most of the book studying. So it's like, what's the best way we can make Hermione not a part of the story? Right, because she's got the time turner the whole time. And Right. So, Isaac, tell me real quick. What is your relationship with Harry Potter? Like, are you a big fan of the books, the movies? Have you, is it something you always sat with as a kid, or is it something you picked up later? Like, are you a huge fan, or did we ask you to do the wrong movie? <laughs> so, I didn't have like a super close relationship with Harry Potter, like when everyone else was going through it in elementary school and everything. During those times, I was, I was still focusing in Star Wars and the original Spider-Man trilogy. Um, But more recently, I've started to get into the movies and have a larger appreciation for the stories and the lore. And I've kind of connected to it like much later than most people. Similarly, and I've started to do that again with like the Lord of the Rings as well. It's interesting that you mention the original Spider-Man trilogy because this movie came out the same year as Spider-Man 2. Oh, Oh, what a good film. Yeah. It also came out the the same year as Shrek 2. What a great film. And I refuse to believe that those three movies came out in the same year let alone the same like decade <laughs> because this feels so much more recent than shrek 2 which feels like it was a long time ago and so does spider-man like that's true i would not i, I saw that today because it was like harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban was the second highest grossing film of 2004 and i was like what beat it shrek 2 beat it <laughs> shrek 2 man dreamworks figured something out there they were like okay we can't beat disney what if we just literally use all of their characters i mean shrek 2 was the was a great movie yeah. It was the better Shrek movie. Like, if anybody's curious as to which my favorite Shrek is, it's Shrek 2. If, if for no other reason than they had that weird American Idol karaoke scene at the end. <laughs> I still think about that almost daily. I mean, that got an 88 on the tomato mo- t- tomatometer. It's a great movie. Tomato meter. It's what? a great movie. So is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 was the best Spider-Man movie, and this is the best Harry Potter movie. What the heck well, happened I that know, year? That's, that's what I was going to say, is that all three of those movies, what I feel like they did, was they, like, took everything that was great about the originals and kind of got, and just completely built upon what was great about them and didn't leave anything out. Yeah, except for that one scene in Spider-Man 2 where, like, Peter Parker is that has that raindrops keep falling on my head song playing and Peter's that's just Spider-Man like... That's Spider-Man 3. No, no. It's, that's not, that's he, not 3. He loses powers in 2 and then he, then he takes the big bite of the hot dog and that's... that's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. The weirdest <laughs> scene in all of movie history. He was he was not the uh, the best... Uh, this, he was not the best Spidey. I'll say it. I love the Tobey Maguire trilogy. I really do. I think it's excellent and it is the second best Spider-Man portrayal of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, Tom Holland is perfect. I like all yeah. of them like oh yeah i mean it's a dumb dichotomy god's love is big enough for all three <laughs> what you gotta remember and i know that we're a little bit off topic here we'll get back to harry potter in a second but you gotta remember about the original spider-man trilogy is that it included spider-man 3 i know that's the worst you part. can't forget that 
it, it, oftentimes I feel like because of that, people forget Spider-Man 2. I, I don't know if that's yeah. the case. Spider-Man 2 had that video game that was like revolutionary. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, it was the first. It was like, like an open world game. Yeah, with like great web slinging controls and everything. People and it was still fun. Freaking impossible. At least there I was thought cheats so. Where you could play as the Green Goblin, which is like such a, a deep cheat. <laughs> yeah, it's from a different like movie. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think that was the last time they had a good like based on a movie video game. Might have been. I had uh, Aragon for the uh, Nintendo DS. That game was not that good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Harry Potter, which has had some questionable uh, video game. Actually, this this had a really good video game as well. It was also open world, uh, and you could fly around on the hippogriff whenever you wanted. That and, sounds like fun. And sometimes you'd be walking outside, chilling on the grounds of Hogwarts, and a Dementor would just, like, come and attack you. <laughs> whether or not you had the spell. That was fun. But yeah, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. This is personally... Oh, we gotta do binary reviews. It's a yeah. one. This it's a is one. Like yeah. Such yeah, it's a one. one. This yeah. is this is to me. This is my favorite Harry Potter movie. If we're talking about just Harry Potter movies, I still like Fantastic. So you're better, saying, but but this is my favorite Harry Potter movie, like by a wide margin. What gets me is that at Christmas time, nobody is using the like where to get your Christmas gifts thing and saying Fantastic Beats and where to find them. Best Buy could make a killing off of that campaign. <laughs> hey Siri, remind me to call the head of Best Buy tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him Steve Jobs is dead. Picasso is dead. Now I'm stuck on Kanye West. Uh, Kanye West was in Virginia no. Beach this weekend, and I did not get to I, hang out with him. I heard. I yeah, he why, was. Why does? Why is everybody telling me about? Because uh, he was in Virginia being. Beach. Nothing happens in Virginia Beach. Like famous people don't go there. It's just Pharrell. That's it. <laughs> Like, Pharrell lives here, and Chris case. Brown lives close to here, or lived close to here, and comes back occasionally, and I guess Pusha T, who was apparently a bigger deal than I thought he was, since <laughs> Jay-Z and Beyonce are going to his wedding. <laughs> I, you feel you know so much about pop culture. Wow, yeah, I feel completely okay, out of the loop. So, so, to me, like, Pusha T is that guy that comes I've in for never, the middle let verse. Me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something before you go on about Pusha T. <laughs> I've never heard of this place. No, so Pusha T. I know who Pusha T is because Pusha T <laughs> is the guy on Kanye West's song Runaway. You know the song, the bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bing. yeah. That song, okay. He's that guy that comes in through the middle of it and does another verse, and he's just like, Ichabod Crane with that mother top off, which is possibly my favorite line of anything ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So <laughs> That's the, the only thing I know about Pusha T, but apparently he got married this weekend in Virginia Beach, and Beyonce was there. <laughs> And I did not know that dude was important enough to have Beyonce at his wedding. <laughs> I mean, he did a collab with Kanye. Yeah, but like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> if I was like... the greatest rap album of all time. I'm relatively sure, certain that if I was like, yo, Kanye, me and my wife are both going to wear Yeezys to our wedding. Do you want to come? Kanye West would be like, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I am. I Kanye am West is a, Kanye that. West is a nutcase. I love that dude, but he's crazy. Beyonce is just oh like I'm. I'm important. <laughs> anyway, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> Sorry for that tangent. Our true, our true passion in life. <laughs> I People love Harry Potter. <laughs> so it's uh, a one. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's my favorite Harry Potter movie. I and I, I legitimately think it is objectively the best Harry Potter movie. It's really good. Like really. Also, really apparently, good. critics agree with that. I did not know that it was an 82 on. Metacritic and a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes. 82 is nuts. I assumed all these Harry Potter movies were like sub 80 or low 80s. I thought they were, yeah, I wasn't sure until we did this whether I liked the Harry Potter movies because they reminded me of that book series I really like and they had good lore mm -hmm. or and they were like kind of Twilight quality 
or if they were like legitimately good films. Well, the problem is people keep trying to tell you they're not as good as the books. Like it's the constant narrative that like you can't like the Harry Potter movies because they're not exactly like the books. Yeah, they're definitely not exactly like the book. No. They're very, very different. But they're yeah. constructed well is the thing. Like I'm always yeah. super impressed when I watch them, like knowing the ending and looking for all the foreshadowing and setup that they do. And it's excellent. They include the parts that like need to be in there to like make the story effective. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's like, yeah, like the, the, the way they set everything up, I'm trying to think what happens in three so that I can, I can <laughs> draw an example. So in, in, in this one? Uh, well, I mean, the serious Black, that whole ordeal, um, yeah, they, you know, bringing Wormtail into the story. Yeah, they set that up really uh, well. Um, they did. Uh, I've heard the complaint for Prisoner of Azkaban is that it's a whole movie, spoilers, I guess, it's a whole movie, whole book about like Sirius Black and finding Sirius Black, and then he's kind of in the next one, and then in the next one he dies. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, <laughs> Gary Oldman's in this movie for like five minutes. Right. I did not realize that. Like, that Gary Oldman delivers a, an Oscar-worthy performance in like two minutes. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Very good. The adults in this film do extremely yeah, good. Yeah, this, this movie lives yes. and dies with the adults. You know who's great? Alan Rickman. R.I.P. Yeah. Alan Rickman. It's just like Alan Rickman, that scene when Professor Snape climbs out of the cabinet. It's like, you know he had so much fun with that. Oh, for sure. Wait, what scene? When, Wait, he, when he's the boggart? Yeah. And he just like oh, slinks oh, oh. out of the dresser and is like staring yeah. menacingly at Neville but doesn't say a word. And then turns into, he, get, he puts the hat on and, and is just like super concerned. <laughs> it, I don't think it ever struck me till that point because I was like, even watching the movie, the magic caught me of it the first numerous times I've seen it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's boggart Snape. And I was sitting there watching it this time like, no, Alan Rickman did that. Like, right, like that's really, that's really Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. I mean, Alan Rickman doesn't care that Neville doesn't like his character. <laughs> Right. Alan Rickman, the only one who knew how the series ended. I mean, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. My other, yeah, makes sense. My oh, other sorry, favorite adult is Lupin. He's my yeah. favorite defense oh my against gosh, the dark yes. arts teacher. Yes. I, I couldn't agree I more. I don't know. What is the dude's name that, that plays like actual Moody? Because he does a really good job too. Oh, yes. he does. But here's, here's my issue with Moody and we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Is how would Barty Crouch Jr. know that much about like Moody's mannerisms and everything? I have no idea. Yeah. I, that, that's the only thing that's ever bothered me is that like he gets it down too good unless he's yeah, just been like it, following him around yeah i guess but it, it, it tells a little bit better even still i mean i've been following you around for 20 years and if somebody was like i need you to be ethan for the next 12 hours i would slip up and fail <laughs> like that's true like, I, uh, <laughs> I forget what you sound like sometimes i've never forgot your voice i've always had a this is a weird <laughs> thing actually I, I don't know why i'm telling this right now but i've always had trouble like placing ty's voice in my head like i don't know i don't think i actually know what you sound like unless you're actually talking to me so sometimes i'll go without talking to you for i don't know like a week or whatever and i'll be like that's what you sound like that's what i sound like it's it's, i've always done that too your voice is the only one i like can't remember i didn't remember that isaac had a midwestern accent i did you're from wisconsin right or do you not mean to say that Oh, no, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. I, Wisconsin. See, I, I never hear it. So, but, like, I know Because that, you're from there. Yeah, uh, that's the annoying thing, is that I know there's certain things I say that are weird to other people, but I always feel like I'm speaking, like, proper English. You did really well just there. Everything was totally normal. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't hear a single, like, oofda in the whole thing. You didn't call anything a bubbler. It was great. Well, I can tell that you're... I, I can tell that you're from Wisconsin because you say it right. Oh, Everybody else says Wisconsin, and you're like, Wisconsin. It's like one, like, (laughs) 
SC syllable there together. Wisconsin. I can't I can't even say it. It's like you hear somebody from the state say it that way and you know that they're like, oh, they're they're the OG. They know what's up. Yeah. And I'm like, Wisconsin. The other way you can tell if someone's from Wisconsin is if they can pronounce cities from Wisconsin. Because we've got weird ones like Ashwabanon, Manitowoc, Eau Claire. Uh, Saskatchewan? Is that Wisconsin? Uh, I don't know. I actually know how to pronounce Eau Claire because I have a friend that goes to school in Eau Claire. Whoa! How, how is it spelled? That's where I go! Eau Claire doesn't sound... Wait, you go to... No way! Yeah. What? <laughs> I do. You go to college? I do. <laughs> yeah, I met him at a fraternity event uh, last year. Dang. Is that a dorm room you're sitting in? No. no you're at yeah, this is home. So this is like... How do you make videos at school? In my dorm room. So... Oh, gosh. Yeah. It is a tight fit. There's not much Guys, room. Now, I know that we're I, an audio-only I mean, podcast, and you can't see Isaac right now, but he's got this pillow behind him uh, that says WV on it, and he's, like, matching it right now. <laughs> like, he's dressed the same as the pillow. And I don't yeah, know if that was intentional or not, but I like it. Thank you. It's, like, the exact same color, too. How often do you go to Culver's? <laughs> oh, Culver's. Oh, Culver's is the best. Yeah, that's the one thing Lucas ever said to me was, you got to go to Culver's. Just over and I've over again. Culver's. That's the Butterburger oh, place. Yeah, it's the Butterburger place. You get, you get Butterburgers? Like, if you're not from Wisconsin, you got to go And cheese all curds. On. Yeah, Butterburger with cheese curds and then their root beer. Oh, I never heard about the root beer, but I have been to Culver's. Yeah. I'll say one thing. Where I'm from, I don't know if this is something just my parents did or if it's something everybody does. A Butterburger just means that they butter the bun, right? Yeah, that, that is what it is. Okay, okay. What's like, everybody does that on every burger. It's like Steak and Shake selling a steak burger, <laughs> which is exactly like a hamburger in every way, except it's called a steak burger. Right. <laughs> like, it's no different. I mean, I they do lay it on thick at Culver's. It's like, yes, this is a buttery It's like, burger. is it Wendy's or, or Hardee's that does the char original char-grilled hamburgers? <laughs> it's like everybody oh. does that. It's uh, Hardee's. You have Carl's Jr. out there, right? Carl's Jr.'s? Carl's Jr.? Yeah, we have a mixture of both. both. It's kind of... I think they just have Culver's. That's I was under the impression the only place you can get a burger is from Culver's. That's, that's the primo burger for sure. But if you're going... Anyway, enough about Wisconsin, more about Harry Potter, which does not take place in Wisconsin and does take place in England. Well, actually, it takes place in Scotland, but whatever. That's where Hogwarts is. So this movie, part three, doesn't include the Dursleys at all. There's, like, no act one in this movie. Nope. It's, it's pretty just, much get on the train. Yeah. The Not the train. Get on the, the fast night bus. No, 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 never mind. It's four. Four doesn't include the Dursleys. I'm crazy. Ignore me. Just rewind all that. Three definitely includes the Dursleys because Harry Potter has to explode his aunt. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then Fudge is like... We won't send you to Azkaban for blowing up your aunt. Which is, I don't, that's not what this Fudge is, sounds yeah, like at all. Yeah, this is the one with but. the super, with the super game-breaking intro, where Harry's sitting there doing the Lumos spell in his bed, not at all worried about getting expelled from misuse of magic as a minor. And then, not two minutes later, he's worried he's gonna get expelled because he inflates his aunt. My understanding is that the Lumos thing isn't actually part of the film. Right? What does that even mean? Oh. <laughs> I think it happens outside of the story as part of the introduction to the film. It's like hmm. it's like a, it's like it's like it's 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 like a production company title card. You're saying like, I don't think you know end, how this works. Like, well, because I guess like the end credits start because it's like they say like I solemnly swear I'm up to no good, and then it like starts the credits. But I feel like this is different because we actually see Harry. Right, and I I mean Harry. yeah, I agree. I, uh, the theory is stupid. Like, I'm with you there, but I just need it to work in my favor. <laughs> anyway, so we get a scene of Harry Potter doing magic outside of school and then being worried that he did a different magic outside of school, like, 
incidental magic, like accidental stuff that accidentally happens, which they've clearly said over and over again is like not a big deal. It's gonna happen. But then we meet the night bus, which I thought when I was a kid was the coolest thing, and I really wanted to go on it. There's like this bus too. that you had. I was just cool. I thought it was cool there, but there was a bus with beds. I was like, that's fun. I know. I was. I was very confused. It turns out schools in England. <laughs> <laughs> schools, <laughs> schools in England really do do the, uh, the 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 sorting thing. Maybe not the same way that Harry Potter does. They don't have magic hats, but but they do sort them into houses, and they have double decker buses every everywhere. I was like, I guess triple decker buses that you can sleep on is also a thing. But it turns out it's just a Harry Potter thing. I thought I thought the bus was super creepy as a kid. I was like, yeah, really? that weird thing that was just hanging. The shrunken. Yeah. Oh, well, you yeah, uh, you didn't read the books. I suppose. That's true. Yeah, no, so that's what I was... It's like, it's described a lot more... Friendly. Friendly in the yeah. book, yeah. Well, there's no shrunken head. Yeah, well, the, the shrunken heads are just, a you know, a character to... to Take it away, Earn! It's gonna be a bumpy it's ride. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. And it's I'll say one thing about the night bus scene is that that was... I don't know if it still is or if they change these things or how it worked, but when I got my first television in my bedroom, the DVD I got was for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and... I put it in the DVD player, and I listened to the shrunken head talk to Ernie for hours, trying to figure out, like, I think the, the, the audio worked on the TV, but the video didn't for the DVD player. So, like, I could just hear him going through the whole process. Take it away, on. Take it away, on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Mind your head. Just over and over and over again. When he counts down that was to like, the old lady to walk was across like, the street. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the, the DVD menu screen. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell this isn't going to be the same kind of Harry Potter movie we've been used to. It's a lot, like, just the, the actual shooting is a lot darker. It's, like, overcast the entire movie. Yeah. Except for the scene in the forest with the hippogriff. Because there's dementors. Yeah, that's the only time there's, like, happiness is when Harry gets to ride the, the hippogriff. Mm -hmm. The Jonathan always talks about the last frame of this movie. It's Harry just flying off, and it's, like, blurry oh, and yeah. awful and terrible. I was thinking about that, actually, because, like, when the dementors kiss you it like pulls away from your face but in this final yes. shot it blurs like back into his head i was wondering yes. if that has something to do with it, if that's symbolic it's like he's putting it oh, past you mean him. like he's he's creating a new worthwhile memory yeah or something like that it just seemed like it's going the opposite way so maybe that's a good thing well i mean after this movie it's never a problem for him to cast a patronus again he doesn't even have to think about it it's just like <laughs> <laughs> you best be expecto in this <laughs> <laughs> it's one of like the four spells Harry comfortably knows. I mean, Harry's not a super magic. Here's the, here, here's something that bugs me about Harry Potter is the adult wizards. Like Hermione's the best of her year, but all the adult wizards seem to know how to do everything she's doing. I was a young person one time that slacked on skills I should be learning. Let me tell you, I didn't just magically learn them between then and now. Like I'm still really bad at statistics. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Yeah, Ethan? you I, look I, like you're just no. It's I chewing your tongue on this. No, one. I'm I'm just talking because there's a scene i was going to talk about well, not a scene there's a concept i was going to talk about for the next movie that kind of ties mm. in with that okay in that like I, well i'll get there when i get there because it's like we get there when we it's get the there. end of the next movie so it's, oh uh, known as the incredibles is what i was just quoting what is that oh i've never heard of that movie <laughs> Incredibles. did it have a sequel it's so incredible. it does have a sequel it's a big thing if you're listening to this episode of bacon and eggs you've probably listened i've never to I've, what too. we reviewed a sequel for for the what movie yeah i definitely I didn't see it with both of the people i'm talking to right now <laughs> oh isaac was there i knew hey, that set. i say that like i didn't know that he sat like right next to us yeah next to
to Seamus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. This is, it's really well told, even though Act 3 is most of the movie, or at least it feels like it's most of the movie. This movie goes by really quick because it's it's well told. It's pretty well paced. There's not a whole lot of issues with it. It's really well acted from the point of like all of the adults and Daniel Radcliffe and... Yeah, it, this is the first time I noticed that Tom Felton is, like, considerably older than the rest of them. I agree. Tom Felton is older than the rest of them. Did you notice they replaced one of his goons? It was, like, Crab and Goyle in the beginning, and then for the rest of the movie, it was, like, Crab and somebody crab else. Crab and Skinny Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that at all. I guess the dude just couldn't have been available for filming. That must have been it, because, like, because both of the actors were there. Additionally, this is the one where they always talk about the Grim. Who is that <laughs> the, the African-American kid supposed the to be? The kid who just says really <laughs> ominous things all the time. <laughs> Oh, so like trying to catch black smoke. It's known as an omen. A death omen. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not Dean Thomas because the actual Dean Thomas is there in the Boggart scene. Right. But it's just this random kid that just keeps saying really menacing things. But it's clearly in Harry's ears since he's taking fourth year divination or third year divination with Harry and Ron. And he's wearing Hogwarts. Uh, yeah, he's a Gryffindor. He's sitting at their table. Who is that guy? I don't know if he's, I'm going to see if his name is on IMDb. He's like trying to catch Chamber. smoke. No. Like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands. Exactly what it's like. This movie's so old. Yeah, and everybody's just like, oh my god, Sirius Black's the worst person ever, and then he doesn't end up being bad, and it's such a plot twist. I did my waiting! Twelve years of it! Twelve years of it! In Azkaban! <laughs> I, I, I love that whole scene, though, with Sirius and Lupin. Uh, they're like, finally, like, they're pairing together, and it seems like Lupin's the villain. Because right. I feel like they paced that super well. That you, for your first time watching it, you aren't exactly sure what's yeah, going to yeah, happen. Yeah. It's done a lot better in the movie, honestly, than it is in the book. Because mm-hmm. in the book, there's a lot, like, and I can confirm this, he just listened to it. There's a lot of, like, Snape screaming things at people in this scene. Yes. Yeah, Snape being, like, listen, like, because one of the things that ties in is that, like, Snape has this rivalry with Sirius and Lupin and James and Wormtail. So it's like, Snape just wants to kill him because he hates him, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, nothing's going to confirm otherwise that, that Sirius Black is a terrible person. Because he already thinks Sirius Black is a terrible right. person. Right, and it's like this whole scene in the book where Snape just won't listen at all. And it's super frustrating to, to read or to listen to. Because yeah. you're sitting there like, Snape, just, just chill out for 30 seconds and let somebody explain something to you. But he's just like, no, I'm going to kill Remus Lupin without doing anything. Yeah, Harry just yeah. gets rid of him and then they can, like, develop what's going on. Yeah, he hits him with Expelliarmus, which for some reason, like, knocks him through a wall. (laughs) That happens a lot. Because that spell apparently just does whatever it needs to do at this point. I mean, you know, if if you aim it at the wand, it knocks it out of their hand, but if you aim it at their chest, it knocks them off their feet, their other armament. They're they're being disarmed from the earth. Um, a fun fact, the, 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 the African-American child, his name is Echo Quarty. Uh, he's an actor. His first role in 2004, 12 years before he got back into acting, was in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as Boy One. <laughs> Can I just say something kind of funny? So, like, we, we kept referring to him as the African-American boy. But he's uh, British. You're right. The black kid. <laughs> but yeah, I know. It's like making sure. I, I, I don't want to be like rude, but like. No, in yeah. England, I'm guy. pretty sure they would just call him black. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. I just I just think it's funny because I, I step around stuff like that. So pick the words yeah. carefully. <laughs> uh, sidebar. When I looked it up, the ads for Christopher Robin are all over the screen. This movie looks delightful. Ooh. I just want to point that out. For sure. I, I'm doing. Have you guys heard of the guy, Brian Hall? No. Who's Brian Hall? He does like impressions similarly to Brizzy. Oh, he was just on, uh, yeah, he was just on uh, their podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm making a full story video on Christopher Robin where he's going to do the voice of Winnie the Pooh for the whole thing and explain it from Winnie oh, the Pooh's so perspective. Cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah. 
I'm super excited. That is very cool. That's cool. That was the first book my mom ever like like read to me a lot that I remember. It was the the first like Winnie the Pooh Chronicles. Um, she had like voices for all of them. It was really cool. That is. Just as, as an aside, I have like really nostalgic memories with that book. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> what 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 makes this movie so great? Is it just the directing? Is it the way it's shot? Is it the acting? Is it the storytelling? Like why is why is this one stand out? And also, there's a lot of people that don't like this movie. And like, why do you think that is? I think that, okay, so this movie I think is for intermediate level film critic type viewers, like the, the kind of people who enjoy big indie flicks, like. Juno, right? Just at uh, me next time. <laughs> right, like like not real super indie type people, like not going to Sundance, but like will go to their local small theater to see the occasional big time indie film. Um and I think that for that reason, it's it's effective for people like that and up in film critic mentality. And then I think that it does it it, it does what a lot of artistic projects you know, collaborations fail to do, and that is it plays to its strengths and it just like it it hides its weakness as well. So it's like okay, crap, we've got Emma Watson, we've got Rupert Grint, they cannot act at all. Let's give them minimal exposition lines, minimal exposition scenes. Like, as little as we can. Keep it as Harry-centric as possible. And then it's like, okay, what are our strengths? We've got Gary Oldman. How do we make Gary Oldman's scene so good? Just whatever we got to do. I don't know. Just, put him in a scene. Yeah, just let, let him stand there. <laughs> right. Yeah, we've Great. got Alan Rickman. Let's put a lot of Alan Rickman in this movie. Let's put a lot of the dude I can never remember whose name is who plays Lupin. No, Let's get no a good idea. amount of Emma Thomas being, <laughs> or Emma Thompson being Trelawney. Just absolutely, absolutely being Sybil Trelawney. Trelawney. Oh, yeah, that's not acting. <laughs> like, she became Sybil Trelawney. They handed Trelawney. her the glasses and she was just like, look into the the tea leaves. <laughs> the grim. Oh, the grim. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Emma Thompson, I think, is in, is an unpraised strength in this film. Emma Thompson, like her, she played her part so well. It's kind of like what you were talking about with Alan Rickman and the Bogger. Is like I didn't know it was Emma Thompson. Who is it? Like a big deal, recognizable actress. Oh yeah, yeah. For until maybe last year. Yeah, you'd never get. It's like the same woman from Stranger Than Fiction. Like right. all those the girl, movies. The, the lady that was married to uh, Snape or Alan Rickman in Love Actually. The lady who was actually married to Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, was Yeah, she? for like a long time. They had a really messy divorce. Oh, huh. But they're still in all kinds of movies together because they are both really talented. She's in like all of his movies, even after they get divorced, except Thor. She's very good. She could have been in Thor. She would have made it better. As who? I don't know. Natalie Portman's character? No, just find her a role. <laughs> <laughs> she could have been Darcy. Right. Yeah. But Emma Thompson... <coughs> Very, very good. Um, so it oh. plays to its strengths really well. And Michael Gambon. The storytelling and Michael Gambon coming in as Dumbledore. I think oh. this is the best portrayal of Dumbledore on film in any of the films. Because Michael Gambon didn't read the books, right? So he's not familiar with the character. He doesn't really know what it's supposed to be. But he nails it in this one. And then down the line, because they have to shift the story a little bit and the end is so Dumbledore-centric, like... They just have to rewrite his character so much that I feel like it's a little topsy-turvy. Mm. And it, it's not as good as right. this Dumbledore, where it's still Dumbledore. Yeah, it's like in, in 4, he's just manic all the time and doesn't really seem like he knows what's going on. In 5, well, and in the whole story kind of like pendulums around his character without ever him really being on screen that much or doing anything. And then 6, they nail it down again. Yeah, 6 is... Well, and, and here's the thing about 6 is... At the end of five, there is this, the book, there the is this, The world's like, longest scene. The world's longest scene of just Dumbledore explaining everything to Harry. Right. And going through everything and, like, this, that, and the other. And then the beginning of six, the movie, he's like, she was pretty. I'm going to take you to meet Slughorn now. I'm not really going to tell you. And Harry's like, honestly, at this point, I'm just on along for the ride. But, like... 
Harry knows everything at that point, and it's important that he knows everything, and he's in on Dumbledore's plan with Slughorn, mm-hmm. and it's just like a, well, he doesn't it's know a about departure. The but. He doesn't know about the Horcruxes, but it's a, it's a departure from the uh, the canon in such a way that I think it diminishes the character. Like, I don't mind that they change thing from the canon. I just think that because they did, this is the most accurate Dumbledore. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and the dude just, I mean, nailed the role. Absolutely nailed the yeah. role. For, for having somebody come in and, like, yeah, unfamiliar with the series, had to replace Richard Harris. Like, yeah. He he came in and he was, he was strong but and still remained mysterious. Because I feel like I, that's the big thing with Dumbledore. Yeah, I guess my only complaint is right. he's not like tall and thin enough. Oh, I like I like muscly Dumbledore. I do, I do too, but it's like it's very different from the description. Sure. Yeah. Of Dumbledore being abnormally tall, like very thin, but still seemed powerful. So I never thought they quite grasped Richard Harris. But they got the powerful thing with Michael Gambon, but he's not like super tall. He doesn't tower over Harry. <laughs> Although there's one scene where Dan Radcliffe is like 18 feet shorter than McGonagall in this movie. Or maybe it's the next Dan- one. It's, uh, no, it, uh, I don't know which one it is. So I watched these two movies yesterday, like almost back to back. But there's one there's one scene in one of these movies where like Harry is considerably shorter than than Maggie Smith, and it just looked weird to me. Mm. Fun fact, this movie came out before Stranger Than Fiction. I just don't know what time is anymore. <laughs> Stranger Than Fiction was like 06? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen that movie. Mm. Oh my gosh. Film recommendation of the yeah, day. Yeah, it's a great Alrighty. movie. Will Ferrell... It is about reading, yeah, though. Will Ferrell uh, <laughs> wakes up one day, and Emma Thompson is like narrating his life. Oh. Because she's writing a book about him, like as he's living. That's and she really doesn't, and she doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know that she's writing a book about him, and it's like a book where she absolutely plans on killing this guy. Right, like that's the, the genius of this best-selling author is that in the end of all of her stories the main character dies yeah, it's, like, and so it's going to be called death and taxes and she's going to kill this guy and this character and and it's about will ferrell like trying to stop her and in the meantime discovering what his life is about and it's it's very yeah, very it's good. Just absolutely it stranger than fiction stranger than fiction okay. it's i think yeah probably my favorite will ferrell movie it's also not like a comedy yeah, it's not a like it's a not a like comedy. will ferrell movie um, um but at the same time I you think... needed an actor like that that is typically known for a comedy you need that suspension of belief in um, the movie. i went on a, on a good rant there about prisoner of, of uh azkaban does anybody have thoughts they want to contribute to that any any complaints positives so um i'll give some credence to um credence no harry potter to the fact that like a lot of people a lot of people will say that this is not their favorite harry potter movie uh just because i guess they think for some reason it doesn't stick to the book which like this one sticks to the book better than most of them like there's not a whole lot of continuity errors here so i don't i've never really understood the arguments against this one but a lot of people doesn't happen until the end well i think yeah that's a that's a big thing like harry potter hurting the firebolt until the middle or until the end he's supposed to get in the middle i'm like so he couldn't he couldn't use it like Uh, yeah. Right. He has it for the dragon fight in the next movie. Is that... <laughs> That's all that matters. He's right. like going to use it in a Quidditch match until book five. Yeah. I, I guess that would be the what... My big complaint with Prisoner of Azkaban, I guess, would be is that, yeah, the beginning, the first two acts go really, really quickly. And it never feels like it has a bad pace to it. Like, I'm always interested in what's going on. But when I watch Prisoner of Azkaban, I just have to be aware that the majority of the film that I'm going to remember is going to be all time travel stuff. And dealing with that. And the annoying thing, especially about it, is when they go back in time, I noticed that Hermione does exactly what they need to do without really thinking about it. Like, she's the one who always knows that, oh, it's time to throw the rocks. She's the one who I'm trying to think of, uh, to like, oh, we need to grab she knows Buckbeak. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's way too easy. It is. It is. It's like, yeah. she's not even thinking about it. Yeah. She's the doctor. And 
And typically in my sci-fi and fantasy worlds, an easy complaint is when they introduce the time travel thing. Like when when they went for the Eye of Agamotto with Doctor Strange, I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) Now you've got like a cheat code, right? Mm -hmm. You can time travel now. You can do whatever you want. And of course, in things like Doctor Who, where it's it's literally the whole thing is time travel is, you know, that's fine. Whatever. Do your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you introduce that that back door, it's like you end up with stuff like Cursed Child, which I, from what I understand, is about time turners. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and like you can get out of impossible situations with this artifact that like they say they destroy them all later in the book series or whatever but like if you can do it once do they you can do it again i mean i don't, I don't right. know if that's it's been a long time since i've seen um prisoner of azkaban the movie and i think i've only watched it twice because it really is but you just watched it not prisoner of azkaban uh, order of the phoenix i mix these two up for some reason uh the oh. books are, the <laughs> books are the same color if that makes any sense like they're almost the same color like the actual hardcover book yep. so i always mix them up the titles for whatever reason uh these two and not the rest of them mm-hmm. goblet of fire is red and black uh, which is very different. It's a weird thing. Anyway, I'm, I've only seen the movie of Prisoner of Azkaban like twice, so I don't remember if they show the part where the time turners get destroyed, but she was very clear in the book to be like, they smashed the heck out of that cabinet full of time turners. Oh, yeah, 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 they do. They yeah, do. in the, in it, the it, part I don't, of Mysteries, I don't, because she was like, I, I messed up. Oh, crap, we got time turners now. <laughs> yeah, I guess somebody said something after one of her editors or whatever, is the, the story I've heard was like, hey, after book three, you introduced time travel. Can you please kill time travel? Yeah. Like, you can't leave that it's, unexplored or people will not shut up about it well and and uh i don't know if i've talked about this in the podcast but as far as the books go i was talking to i'm sure i've talked about this but i was talking to a local bookstore owner and she was like one is flawed two and three are perfect they're the absolute right length they're well told like as far as a book critic is concerned these are the pinnacle of the series. Is two I, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, two, the story um, was just four, dumb, but this is a really good book. Right. And then four and five and six are like insanely long and, you know, just full of all sorts of nonsense you don't need. Yeah. And just, and, and, and they, like, it, it's useful. It adds to the lore, which is really good for people like us, which is great. Mm-hmm. But for like a book critic, it's like, this is a waste of page. Like, this is just so much crap. And then I think in seven, she said like, but I think when she got to four, she was like, I'm JK Rowling and I can do whatever the crap I want don't you dare tell me what I can put not put in my book and uh she could yes. you know whatever she's JK Rowling <laughs> and she then, can do whatever I she mean, wants I mean six was considerably shorter than five so I think she kind of got the point of that and was just like hey I'm gonna write a pretty well book pretty well written book and then seven is just like plot 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 yeah, plot seven plot, is plot. extremely concise yeah. it's like seven this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened I've got a lot of things to cover before Harry can kill Voldemort right oh crap we got a bunch of horcruxes we gotta take yeah, care of I wrote this horcrux thing at the end of the last book and now there are like six of them right <laughs> harry's one of let them. me see let me see let me see okay so uh, diary good done basilis fan great awesome bye let me throw some of these out basilis here real quick fans. there we go this random locket that was just chilling in borgen and burks for 15 years yeah that's one <laughs> totally um, but that's speaking of, of Harry Potter lore and, and us loving that, Isaac, I think we're getting to the part of the show well, we gotta, where we, gotta, we learn about we gotta put put this one on the list. Well, I know, I know, but I, let me let me just okay, say the whole okay, thing, okay, Isaac. I think we're uh, we're getting to the part of the show where we learn about your you know wand and Patronus and Ilvermorny House and Hogwarts House and sort of break down what that's all about. But before we get to that, we need to uh, rank 
this Harry Potter movie against our entire list of Harry Potter movies. Rank the villain in this movie, who I guess is Peter Pettigrew? Yeah, sure. And then rank this against our whole list of movies ever. And then we need to apply a breakfast food that this film reminds us of, as well as apply a breakfast food to the first two films. So I just... Because... Wow. Oh, sorry, go ahead. We Finish. didn't do that last week. Yeah, we forgot to do the breakfast food last week. I have one more... I don't know if it's a complaint about the movie, but I have one more point I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. I do... I love this movie. I think it's the best one. I think it's... Apologize for that i think it's my favorite movie but like this movie does not matter at all to the series the entire purpose of this movie is to set up two different pieces of revenge motivation for harry because he wants to get his revenge on wormtail for betraying his parents and he wants to get revenge eventually for sirius's death now they could have introduced sirius as a side character and accomplished this entire book in like three chapters in a different book about voldemort and i hear that complaint people make that complaint a lot about this book and this movie is that like this is a completely pointless story to stick in the middle of the series i i disagree i think Sirius black is extremely important i think um within the story i think lupin is way more important than than people give him credit for i also think if one of them is pointless it's the one where harry enters a tournament uh that you can not get out of but you can quit each task of <laughs> there's a lot wrong with the tra- with the try with the tournament <laughs> there there is right like you, you have to compete <laughs> but harry literally could have gone in and been like hey uh red sparks i'm not fighting that dragon <laughs> And then gone to the second one and been like, hey, Red Sparks, I'm not jumping in that lake. <laughs> yeah, there was no danger at all. I guess he could have gotten eaten by the dragon, but whatever. The, I was actually uh-huh. thinking about this with Prisoner of Azkaban and how it fits into everything. And the, the first two is kind of establishing the lore of Voldemort. So it's saying that his presence is still around and setting that whole conflict up for the next seven books. And the second one is that his presence is so powerful that it can exist within this like journal or something. And that he has this pedigree that goes back years. But then this one, although it doesn't focus on Voldemort, what's kind of cool about it is that it establishes like it begins to establish the whole idea of the death eater and that even though he's gone there's still people out there that are interested in following him and that and that then when that happens uh like the death eater attacks in begin in goblet of fire then it's kind of like a setup to that that like voldemort's army is still out there oh yeah no i 100 percent agree with you i don't agree with the people that say that i just wanted to get put that theory out there oh, yeah. before somebody responded and was like yeah by the way this is why this book is pointless because mm-hmm. i know that that is a big sticking point for a lot of people yep, fair enough. is it like a lot of this could have been accomplished elsewhere they could have told another story about harry and voldemort which like i get what you're saying but jesus christ it was a nice, refreshing thing right in the middle. I agree. Before, before four straight books of like, Harry goes to school. Harry does a bunch of things. Harry finds Voldemort. <laughs> Harry learns how to turn like teapots into tea cozies or whatever. Beetles into tea cozies. Yeah, I, I, again, I will talk about Harry learning things when we get to the next movie. Anyway, let's, uh, this is, uh, it's better than all of the Harry Potter movies, including Fantastic Beasts. I just don't like it as much as Fantastic Beasts. Oh, I disagree. I like it better than Fantastic Beasts. I mean, that's fine. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just say, I'm saying it's the best one. Like, yeah. If we're talking about where it goes on the ratings, it's the best one. Is I, I enjoy Fantastic Beasts more because I don't have anything to complain about. So I really like the books. I think I think my, my biggest complaint with Fantastic Beasts is, and we talked about it with Tessa, was that like we loved all these things about it, but then what did we not like about it? Oh, the the obscurial. So it's like okay, so we liked everything, but it was bad storytelling. And to me. 
bad storytelling is not good. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to say unforgivable because because uh, I'm sure there's films we have towards the top of our list that are bad storytelling. Mm-hmm. But uh, but to me, that's why this edges it out is that the storytelling in this movie is so clear and so good. The cinematography follows it so well. Um, you know, it's it's easy to appreciate as a good film. Yep. Here is a problem we're running into though. Well, okay, so where do we put Peter Pettigrew? Isaac, first of all, would you agree that this is a, the best Harry Potter movie out of one, two, and Fantastic Beasts? Yes, I would agree okay. with that. Okay, cool. For sure. Cool. <laughs> all right, where do we put Peter Pettigrew on our villain ranking, which goes from uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face in uh, Batman Forever and Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight? I mean, he's like, it's a, it's a numerical scale here. It's a one it's to a ten. numerical scale on... <laughs> A scale from one abstract concept to another abstract concept. (laughs) (laughs) I give him like a 6.5. Yeah, because there's a lot of story that happens behind it that like has nothing to do with his actual acting or performance in the movie, but like gives him a lot of villain strength. Like the dude successfully faked his own death and got another person arrested for it. Yep. That's pretty evil. That when you put it like that, yeah, Peter Pettigrew, uh... He's, he's flexing his villain villainy there. Right, without doing anything in the movie, because you can clearly no. see in the movie, he's just this weird, like, creepy, rat-looking dude. Oh. Sleeps in Ron's yeah. bed. Well, and I think it's so weird when he switches back that he still acts like a rat. I'm like, this is so weird. And he, like, runs under the table. I'm like, okay, this is this is a low point for this this scene. I, this is this is something people keep bringing up, but like Harry would have noticed another man sleeping in Ron's bed with him on the Marauders map. Oh, yeah. No, no. People have made videos about this. I can't remember if it was you or Jonathan and Ben or Seamus that made a video about why Pettigrew wouldn't have shown up on the Marauders map. Do you know the answer? Because I don't. I haven't I don't, seen the I video. I just but he shows up in this movie on the map as a rat. Yep. I know. That's, so that's, what I'm that's the per issue. Per the I movie think... canon here, it, 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 <laughs> he would have seen that. He would have seen another human being's name sleeping on top of Ron's bed. <laughs> um, my only, my only thing is my understanding I, I i think of the dorm rooms as sort of a room of requirement and that the boys dorms are up the stairs and to the left i think everybody goes up the stairs. like i don't think and i could be wrong about this and there could be something that that disproves this easily but like i think harry and ron go through the same door as fred and george to get into different rooms to get to their to their dorm that's room. an interesting thought and i don't I mean, know if there's a per, scene where colin the movie, is in Harry's room or something. Up, well dumbledore is dumbledore though he can go wherever he wants no but he's like i hated these curtains i destroyed them in my fourth year while harry's in fourth year in that dorm room so oh that's true i but yeah. but i th- i'm under the impression that harry and the the four he's with are in the same room i that that's the thing is years. i was under oh, that impression sure. too is like you get one dorm room and you're there for seven years and there's just seven dorm rooms yeah that, i think that would make sense there's 14 rooms all together mm-hmm. and they just switch right like the the first years go in last year's seventh year's storms that was a complicated mm-hmm. statement anyway uh, yeah there's there's some issues with that but whatever i mean <laughs> I, I don't really care if if peter pettigrew's shows up on the Marauders map. It's just a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a problem here. Is the Fantastic Beasts is ranked extremely high? Uh, no, I don't think it's ranked extremely high. I think that uh, the problem is uh, is still that Thor Ragnarok is a better movie than a lot of these movies, and it's right above Fantastic Beasts. Oh, I would think this just goes right above Fantastic Beasts. No, because this is this is Thor this Ragnarok. is better than Return of the Jedi. This is oh, a better movie than Return of the Jedi. Uh, yeah, this is way better than okay. Return of the Jedi. So that's what I'm saying. Is like I, will... I, I I continue to have these problems with some of these with Back to the Future, with with Raiders, with How dare you take Back to the Future? Back to the away Future from is me. not that great of a movie. It's a good <laughs> movie. It's a very amazing. fun movie, but it's not everything you're giving credit for we're leaving back to the future but i will move and i'll do this for you we've, we've moved return of the jedi twice now watso do you have do you have your magic wand watso uh yes 
I on. know what that is. The question is, so <laughs> so where does that put The Last Jedi? I, Currently, okay. we have that ranked right below Return of the Jedi. Here's the problem. Watson, I don't know what your thoughts are on The Last Jedi, but Bacon and Eggs is a pro-Last Jedi podcast. We are team... What's the girl's name? Hope? No. Uh, Rose. We're oh. team Rose. <laughs> I my, my liking of The Last Jedi was instantly liked it. As I watched it, continued to like it more. And over the last few months, I've kind of analyzed it, and it's kind of lowered a bit. It's kind of kind of steady off but it's i still like it more than so i'll just i'll run down the top of our list the part we're talking about of the list yeah for you watson okay so right Mm -hmm. now we've got uh the force awakens is number one infinity war is number two empire strikes back is number three a new hope is number four baby driver is number five monty python the holy grail is number six back to the future is seven raiders of the lost ark is eight uh uh, return of the jedi as nine and then the last jedi as 10 Thor ragnarok as 11 and then fantastic Beasts beasts so this is better than fantastic beasts uh, yep. It's not as good as Thor Ragnarok. So here's what we do. We flippity-floopity, return, and Thor Ragnarok. So put Ragnarok in at nine. Yes. And then and then from there, we flip Fantastic Beasts and return. Wait, what? No. I'll, I'll give Return of the Jedi better than Fantastic Beasts. Okay. Yeah. And then we put this between Fantastic Beasts and Return of the Jedi. Or do you think this is better than I think than it's Return better than Return of the Jedi. Jedi. I don't think it is. Okay. So we put it, okay. we put it under cool Last that. Jedi above Return of the Jedi. Okay. Let me, let me do that real quick before I forget all this. This movie and Return of the Jedi have a similar issue where their endings take up most of the movie. All right. So... Isaac, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about yourself when it comes to Harry Potter. Have you done all the Pottermore stuff before? I've done everything but the Ilvermorny house. Ooh. Are, yeah. are you, a, Ooh, are you we... opposed to doing the Ilvermorny house thing right now? Oh, I can do that right now. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Okay, well, so let, tell, us, tell us first, what is your Hogwarts house? Okay, so I've got this weird thing. Oh, God. Pottermore sorted, oh. sorted me into Gryffindor. So okay. for a lot of people, you know, Pottermore is law. But yeah, we take that stance It is here. law. All right. Yeah. It also but helps explain, us if you're Explain what your, what your issue is or whatever, what, the, what your, your, your problem with it is. Well, the main thing is I've taken three different quizzes, including the Pottermore one, and I've gotten Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and then Gryffindor from Pottermore. But I, I feel like I'm the most like Ravenclaw but I don't mind being in Gryffindor. If says the guy who hasn't read the books. Oh, I mean, I I know enough lore. I feel very comfortable with the lore. I I've got a stand. But you don't read. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very diligent about school and like getting things done, and I'm very particular and rule oriented stuff like that. That's why I feel well, like I'm Ravenclaw. So I think that the stance that we here on Bacon and Eggs take, especially with Gryffindors, is that like if Pottermore says you're a Gryffindor, you're a Gryffindor. Like, you, it, Gryffindors yeah. is almost the catch-all house because you have to possess the qualities of multiple of them to be a Gryffindor, and it doesn't make it better. It's just like it's you're you're Hermione yeah, Granger. It's the, you're you're a Ravenclaw that's spo- that that is a Gryffindor. You're supposed to be a Ravenclaw right. that is a Gryffindor. No, I and I love that rationalization. I I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> so the theory is that like the theory is that like if you ask the hat the the hat to make you a Gryffindor, you're a Gryffindor. Like that's a brave thing. Yeah. To do. That, that's like that's that's every every Gryffindor has to. Ask Ask the hat to be a Gryffindor. Also, the the other theory is how were you at age eleven? Were you adventurous and brave? Not extremely, no. <laughs> <laughs> Neither was Neville Longbottom. I yes. can't describe how much of a Gryffindor you are. Yeah, it's it's True. awesome. So we're both Ravenclaws. There you go. Yeah. We are. So tell us about Some, your tell us about your wand, your wand, Ooh. if you will. I am I'm a big fan of my wand, actually. I got um it's beech wood with a dragon heartstring core. There you go. Twelve and a half inches and reasonably supple flexibility. <laughs> reasonably supple. Reasonably what supple. What a British yeah, thing to like say. A description of a nursing mother. <laughs> yes. I Is that what you were on your video? 
reasonably supple. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's just no good way to talk about wands, man. Like, no, like, <laughs> there's just not. So what is okay? So what does Beechwood mean about you? What okay? Like, if you click the read more about my wand mm-hmm. thing, what does what does Beechwood say about you? Um, it'll be it'll be young, wise beyond his or her years, and is full grown, rich in understanding and experience. So it's That's like cool. wise. That's like, cool. Yeah. And the dragon is freaking cool. Um, I know, right? You're a dragon. Yeah. And it produces wands with the most power, and which are capable of the most flamboyant spells. Which doesn't sound good with wands either, but <laughs> but extremely powerful magic can come out of my wand. Good, mm-hmm. good, good, good. Very flamboyant and powerful yeah, magic. Supple flamboyancy. Supple flamboyant. Oh my god, there's it's ridiculous. <laughs> out of his twelve and a hatchet, twelve and a half inch wand. Oh yes. All right. So my mine, as we went over last week, is a vine wood with unicorn unicorn hair. Tyler and I are both unicorn hair. It's the most common though, so that's not surprising. And I am unyielding flexibility, which uh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even. I've just been oh, relaying crap, my own sign stuff. In. And so. So what what is what is your Patronus, Isaac? My Patronus is not as as amazing. As not as cool. Okay. No, I have a Chow dog. It looks like a pug. Like like so, a Chow Chow. Like nice. a, like a. Yeah, I know Chow. With the, the yeah. black tongue. Yes. Chow dogs are huge, man. They Does are? not look like a pug. Well, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna click on it. Click on more. Cause I'm just, no, just gonna, Google Google gonna, search Chow Chow. Like you're gonna see dog. a bunch of lion dogs. Oh. This is the image I've got. I don't know if I can share it with you, but I'm hoping Ethan can share it in oh. the description. Oh, okay. This yeah, is, they are this they are different. large and very very mean. Oh. No, I've got a Chow. Yeah, and she's, she's like not supposed to be allowed in apartment complexes. That's a I banned know, breed. They like eat children. <laughs> but you know. Oh wow. Okay, so I have one and yes, where it's like before anybody says anything. Someone. I know that, that that they're great dogs. They they just can be incredibly protective and don't particularly like children. That is like. A trait of the breed. But my dog loves children and is not protected. Right. At all. She's also mostly not chow. <laughs> She's mostly pug. Yeah. Okay. So they're like giant lion pugs. Yeah. Not, not as bad as they, I thought. It was just They are very fluffy and very large. When I when I it summoned the Patronus, I was expecting, you know, like like Harry's is this big, big uh, deer, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Stag. Stag. But mine's like this. It was just like this little dog running around. I'm like, what? But now that it, now that I know it's a lion. No, mine, I mean, mine is a little dog. Mine is a West Highland Terrier, like a Westie, like a little fluffy white thing. Like oh, maybe, so maybe yay large. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mine's a fox, so it's also very small. <laughs> I should get one. I should get my Patronus. You? Yeah. Oh my god. The campaign they're so, is they're live. so cute. <laughs> oh my god. There's probably a cheaper dog we can get than a West Highland White Terrier. I mean, probably. That looks exactly like probably. this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's my Patronus. My Patronus is a West Highland Terrier, which is just a little, little itty-bitty <laughs> dog. Hmm. Just to give you an update on my wand, it's a elmwood with unicorn hair, 12 and a quarter inch, and pliant Pliant flexibility. I don't know what pliant means. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite quite flamboyant, but I'm biflexible. Ah, oh, all right. So Isaac, can you would you mind doing the Ilvermorny quiz for us real quick? Oh yeah, let's do it. Just just so you know, the Google definition of pliant is pliable. Yeah, which means bendy. Easily bent, like very yeah, flexible. Yeah. Bendy. Supple means bending and moving easily and gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, you're doing the quiz. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what are, what questions are you getting? I haven't done this in forever. Right. It's would you rather hunt or heal? 
Would I'd you? rather I'd rather heal. In I'd RPGs, heal. I always want cure. You play in the healer? You think lawful neutral or lawful good or whatever? Uh, yeah. I, I'm all about keeping myself alive the longest. All right, where there would you, you least like to find yourself? Imprisoned alone in a silent dungeon, Ugh. locked in a crowded cage, standing room alone. That doesn't sound good. In the dock in court, accused of a crime you did not commit. On the deck of a ship as the tidal wave comes over the horizon. Trapped in the attic as the house burns below you. On the rope bridge fraying over the canyon. Lost in the forest at night, eyes staring at you through the dark. Uh, I don't um, want to do any of those things for future reference. In case anybody's curious. That same. all sounds terrible. I think it's the worst one. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's kind of up to you. Like, that's the whole yeah. point of the question. I feel like accused of a crime you did not commit. Because I feel like I just wouldn't want to be like imprisoned for no reason. Yeah. At least in those situations, it's like, you know, it's going to be done. Yeah, you okay. can just die. Like Yeah. Like the tidal wave, it's like, I'm going to drown quick. Oh, all right. <laughs> I challenge authority. Nope. Other people's patience, <laughs> convention. You're a YouTuber. Myself. I think convention. Fair enough. Not, yeah. You don't have to justify the these. Look, like, you, you can you can do whatever you want for these. At Elver Morning, they let you choose your own house, but they don't on the quiz. But mm -hmm. at the real imaginary place that is, they do. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that. Elver Morning, Massachusetts. Okay. Think of the question you would most like answered by a person or an all-knowing being or device, which of the following most closely resembles the answer you'd like to hear? Without a shadow of a doubt, never. Very soon. It is impossible. Yes. I will show you everything. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Only if you agree. If you come with me. No, I didn't. You are. Yes, you may. Only once. If you want to. Forever. Not for many years. I'd want to... Is there show a yeet everything. option? <laughs> yeet, yeet! <laughs> I will show you everything. That's what I'm about. I just kind of want to have Seamus back on so we can make him say yeet a lot. He wouldn't do it. I yeah, want to hear Isaac say He just yeet. did. Does he? He yeets. <laughs> How do yeets? <laughs> He's been known to He's yeet. been known to yeet. <laughs> wow. We're the same human being. Also, we're both wearing tank tops. I'm sorry. It's sorry. very hot in my room. Isaac. I'm not sorry at all. You have to look at me in a tank top. If you were in the same room as me, you'd have to smell me in a tank top. And that's bad. All right. I often think, why did I do that? Why can't I do that? I wish I had done that. I wonder whether I should do that. Shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. Oh my God, is Hagrid here? Happy birthday, Harry. I love I feel the cake. Like, why did I do that? God only knows. <laughs> okay. When will I learn to keep my mouth shut, to say no, to do things on time? The secret. Secret. That's weird. Um, Sounds like somebody who knows the secret. Yeah, I... I guess I'll do the secret. I don't really say any of those other ones. Hey, what would you least like to lose? Reputation? Health? Luck? Dreams? Love? You gotta have luck to lose oh. luck. Am I right? Ah! Ah! <laughs> Got him! Uh, I guess... Alright, dreams. Have you been sorted? This is the last one? Uh, hopefully this is the last one. Oh, okay. Okay, you can rescue a baby or the only bottle of potion that could save 1,000 lives. Which do you save? What could save 1,000 lives? Oh, okay. Oh. So you Ugh. can save one life definitely, or possibly save 1,000 lives. Ugh. What a weird situation. Well, the one life is a baby. That baby could grow up to be Hitler. Or it could grow <laughs> up to be not Hitler. It could cure cancer. But but the baby that grew up to be Hitler has already been born. True. Maybe this is the Antichrist. <laughs> oh, gosh. According to the Palmarian Church, the Antichrist was born in the year 2001. Uh, guess the baby, because it's for sure. I'm a horned serpent. Horned serpent. No way. What does that mean? I don't know. Let's dive in. More about my profile. Okay. Named after someone. Don't care about yeah, any of that. Just... Tell me what it means. Who am I? Who am I? Hedwig? This this picture on the banner of Pottermore.com right now of the actors from Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald is great. Everybody's in their normal cool person outfits and Ezra Miller is cosplaying Toadette. <laughs>
You're exactly right. Jude Law looks like he's wearing like very, very nice pajamas. It's exactly what Jude Law is wearing. Right oh there. man, Eddie Redmayne is the coolest person alive, based on this picture. Look at—he's holding a he's wand. He's holding a wand. He's got like an eggsy outfit on with his with like nine inches of ankle showing. The more ankle showing these days, the cooler. The better. Yeah, that it is. It's coming back. Okay. I'm sorry about that in Wisconsin. It must be very cold when you're trying to look cool between classes. I've never looked For as cool in my time. life as Eddie Redmayne does in this picture, holding a microphone in one hand, which he's holding like he's a rapper, and holding a wand <laughs> in the other hand. <laughs> if you scroll down, there's another cool picture of him conducting the audience. Giving a TED like. Talk? Yeah. I don't think he's conducting. I think that's a wand. I, I definitely know it's a wand, but that looks like what he's doing with it. Yeah, what? I, I keep also, scrolling down. What the is Jude Law wearing? It looks awesome, but like it's definitely pajamas. <laughs> it's linen season, and, and bro. And dress shoes. Here's the thing about Dan Fogler is I'm going to meet Dan Fogler and I'm just going to make it happen. Um, Johnny Depp's got the hair. Look at that. Da have you guys ever seen the movie does. Fanboys? No. no. Uh, it's it's this movie about um these this <laughs> group of guys who... um. Who like travel to the Lucas Ranch to try to see Star Wars Episode One before it releases? And Dan Fogler is in it, and he's freaking hilarious in it. I see him. Dan here Fogler now. is is, is Kowalski. Okay, yeah, I love that guy. Jacob Kowalski is a great character. God, how do I get to be as cool as Eddie Redmayne? I gotta be hot first. That's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just not that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, he won a genetic lottery. Yeah. He probably didn't even know until he was That in. dude is the exact size and shape of a mannequin. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but his head, his head is weird. He's got a weird looking face. But people but love he, it. He he's got like freckles. It. He works it big time. I feel like sometimes the most beautiful people are like weird looking, kind of. Oh, oh See, yeah. Me? Benedict Cumberbatch. Ryan Gosling. Oh, I can't say that. Yeah. Ryan Gosling is traditionally handsome. I do. <laughs> Yikes. Yum. The man looks like he's photoshopped. It looks like it, like his face is like smaller than it should be. It takes up less room on his face than it's supposed to. It's like they shrunk the the me face. Yeah. Now Ryan Reynolds on the other hand, that guy just looks oh. like a man. Oh god, Ryan Reynolds. He's the you know, dream. You know who's weird looking? Is Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa? Jason Momoa is gigantic. Yes. But that dude's weird looking. Like, his eyebrows are shaped like the Aquaman logo, and... Like, I don't know, man. He's a pretty rugged, good-looking guy. Yeah. I don't know. I He's just always gonna be Drago for me. Yeah, he's, he's Cal Drogo. Yeah, scary. This is why I just don't watch Game of Thrones, so that... He is currently, in this when, picture, I'm looking... And it looks like an older picture, because he's not, like, superhero buff in this picture. But he's wearing, like, a ripped white t-shirt over a white tank top. I'm seeing the same... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, only him. People do that. That's a totally normal thing, though. People wear a wife beater and then a, like, white undershirt. Not a ripped one, a normal mm -hmm. one. This and one then... <laughs> looks like it was professionally ripped. Like, Oh, for sure. It came in the box, like, though. That, that is probably a $4,000 <laughs> ripped undershirt from Gucci. Ripped yeah. undershirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we are so far off topic that it's not even believable. What does being a horned serpent mean, Isaac? Did we, did okay. we ever discover that one? Yeah, so horned serpent house is sometimes considered to represent the mind of of a witch or wizard. It's also said the horned Ooh. serpent favors scholars. Well, this makes so much sense. You're a Gryffindor horned serpent. Yep. Gryffindor and serpent. I, yeah. 
I think it's it's the good explanation of it. Fun fact, you just saying serpent made me realize for the first time that the horned serpent is a snake and not a lizard. Every time I picture the horned serpent, I picture like a lizard with horns. Can you see and my legs. Shorts? It's not though, it's a snake with not legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you saying that just now was the first time I realized what a horned serpent actually was. Every time I've been <laughs> this picturing is lizard. My shorts today. Ooh, I can't see you. That's the look. That's that's the look right yeah. there. What's going on? Do that again. I went, Dude, it's got to be past oh the belly button for sure. It, oh, it's way past the day. Yeah, for sure. All right. So All we right. have to talk about Harry All Potter right. and the Goblet of Fire now. And I can already tell you guys, we're not going to do it justice. We just don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, though. That's like, oh, my God. We do not this have time. This is the one pair of movies where I thought we'd run into this problem. Well, here's the thing. Goblet of Fire has less to say. I mean, it goes really quick. Mad-Eye Moody portrays the character a little too well. Uh, there's a few other things I want to note about it, particularly uh, it was released on November 6, 2006. That's 4,277 days ago, which is like 800 days after the last one, which is a lot. Had a $150 million budget, but it made it back. $896. million in profit worldwide. 8874 Critic audience Rotten Tomatoes 81 on Metacritic. People actually really, really liked this. Uh, some people say it's the best one in the series. Uh, at least that's what the critics were saying when it was coming out. For example, there's just going to be a little silence here. Did you forget to get a positive review? No, I had it. I, I clicked <laughs> off the screen that it was on. Uh, well, I had a review that said exactly what I wanted to say, but now I can't find it. But for example, like Joe Morgenstern from the Wall Street Journal, he's a top critic on RottenTomatoes.com. He says it's downright scary how good this movie is. And I think he's got a point there. You know, as far as binary review, I I'd say this is a one all day. Do you do you agree? Do you have any comments to add? I think, yeah, definitely Ethan? one. That was really aggressively fast. I appreciate it. But I have a negative review for this movie. <laughs> J.R. Jones, a Chicago reader, did not like this movie. He said, a marked disappointment after Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. This fourth installment in the franchise is a 157-minute holding pattern. I hear what I he's do saying. Too. Um, this movie <laughs> is a one for me. I would definitely recommend it. As I would recommend all the Harry Potter movies. None of these are bad. Like, it, there are a lot worse movies you could watch. And they're fun to watch. This one, however, lasted approximately four. 497 hours. It was very, very long. I checked my watch like 20 minutes in. I'm like, is this freaking movie over yet? How does it start? Oh, it starts with Harry waking up in the burrow. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, it's got the Voldemort perspective Yeah, it's got scene. the Voldemort yeah. perspective scene, and then, um... Harry wakes up in the burrow. Or the There's no Dursleys at all in this movie, which is a shame, as I love any time I get to see Richard Griffiths portray Vernon Dursley. But the they're not role. in this movie at all. Uh, and they, they wake up at the burrow, and then they have to walk all the way to the place with the port key, and then we meet Cedric Diggory, and then they go to the Quidditch World Cup, but the Quidditch World Cup doesn't happen on screen, uh, which is stupid. Still mad. Yeah, says the guy who was literally just complaining. Okay, about there's a lot of things in this movie that could have been cut shorter to give us Two minutes of Quidditch. That I would agree with. Um, for instance, Ron's butthurtness throughout the entire thing was kind got kind of old pretty quick. He yeah, kept... well, you know, well. Isaac, it got really freaking old in the book too. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> when I was sitting there for pages and pages, like just talk to each other. Yeah, it was it was like he makes Hermione talk for him first, but then he gets over that whole being mad at Harry thing and then immediately switches to be mad at Hermione. Yeah, because she's dating and, Victor Crumb instead of him, when he doesn't even realize yeah. that he's the one that's into her. I, and it's like, I feel like they could have portrayed that type of love triangle without making Ron whine so much and like focusing on that so long. Well, and 
This movie has what frustrates me more than anything. It's the same with the book. Is that like, how old are they now? 14, 14 15, yep. 14? How does that work? Is this his 11th birthday when he goes yeah, to school? Yeah, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That all adds up very well. So they're 14. At 14, you're old enough to like start, at least I was, to start like your real interest in, in girls yeah, or boys. Yeah, opposite or same sex or whatever. You have some sort of romantic right. interest in some other human being. Mm-hmm. And and like J.K. Rowling, I don't know if you know this, J.K. Rowling invented the Yule Ball. Like she wrote that into existence. It didn't have to happen. Yeah. And she wrote it and then I guess like there's the character development point of of them not going with a girl. But like Ron could this could have been Ron's first introduction to Lavender Brown. This could have been Harry's like I, the Choate thing is kind of interesting but Harry and Ginny could have started here. Yeah. Like there's so many good things that I could understand. have happened right. I, or Harry and I Hermione could have gone the together. Cho thing in the book. I do. Because Harry has to have reasons because Cedric is just a great guy. Constantly helpful. Yeah, Cedric's awesome. Like yes. does everything for Harry and they really tried to make Cedric look like a in this movie. I don't think they did. I think Cedric looks like a nice no, guy. No, no, no. In the scene... I feel like it just doesn't come off as well. Like, in the scene with as good. In the scene in the maze when Cedric is like like tearing at Harry's shirt to get past him to get to the to get to the cup. Yeah, but but outside of that, I felt like Cedric says, you know, like, oh, I told them not to wear the badges, yeah. and by the way, take this egg into the to the like, pond, to the to the bathroom. They, or, and and I mean, you can't deny Robert Pattinson is incredibly handsome. Oh yeah, but you yeah. want Harry's supposed to not like Cedric, like th- that the whole the show thing exists for Harry to not like Cedric, which right. is why they so awkwardly but, fall apart in the next book because like yeah, because <laughs> J.K. Rowling was like, wait, this is a really uninteresting character. <laughs> That was something actually but, I like, never like, understood. Was... was like the whole like being someone who mainly just watched the movies and having this this girl like pop into existence and then immediately pop out and then him suddenly end up with Ginny. So like, in the in so the jarring. in the third book, Harry has this like respect for Cho that he doesn't realize means he's into her because she's like a great Quidditch player and that's all he cares about. And then in this one, he's like, well, I'm still into her, but I'm gonna take her to the Yule Ball. But Cedric's taking her to the Yule Ball, and then Cedric dies. And then it for all of the fifth book, Harry's like awkwardly trying to go out with Cho like Cho's back and forth on him but she's also in love with Cedric still even though he's dead I mean Cho has a rough go of it you know For sure. yeah she started dating the uh, most handsome guy in school and then he died like Voldemort killed yeah. him <laughs> yeah Voldemort's first victim in, in years I do want to point out Voldemort didn't kill him uh, Wormtail killed him. Was it with Voldemort's wand? Why is the Priory Incantatum showing Cedric's body? Uh, it was with Voldemort's wand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Voldemort, oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. I don't think Voldemort had the strength to kill him. Also, um, I take issue with that scene. This is one of the ones where I'm I'm like anti the change they made for the book or from the movie from the book. I I think the graveyard scene is great. No, what, just the fact that like really cool. the fact that Cedric has time to. Because they talk about in the book how Cedric dies with like a smile on his face because he just won the Triwizard Cup. I like that death for Cedric better than him being like freaked out because he's in a graveyard. Oh yeah, I see. I kind of like that better. Is that he would just come in and then he would instantly die? That's that. That's what happens in the book. Is literally they yep. land and Harry like looks around for a second and then he hears kill the spare and Cedric dies. That's it. Yep. Cedric. And they talk about like Cedric dies with a smile on his face. They one person talks about it. All I'm saying is the Yule Ball. Like if you're gonna introduce the Patil girls in the films for the first time, it gives them like one line each. I just like. To me, J.K. Rowling, there was a better way to tell that story. I'm not saying I know the answer. I'm not saying I'm a professional best-selling author. I'm not saying Twitter, come at me. Mm-hmm. Bro, Twitter, I know you're going well, to. The thing is, there's still not like a proper <laughs> romance like, for two more movies. Yeah. I know, which is like, so frustrating. They're well into being 16 years old. And like, Jenny Weasley has all these boyfriends constantly. But Harry and Ron are still like, ew, girls. What True. are girls, right? You know how they, they, they travel in packs. <laughs> travel in packs. <laughs> 
Yeah, I felt like J.K. Rowling got a lot of things right. I feel like she yeah, the not romance quite... thing was just it was it's, messed up for the whole the series. Part she and, has and nice it's... skin. <laughs> what an uncomfortable thing to say. Anyway, yeah, I wish the love love went deeper back into the series, but yeah, I guess there's nothing. Everybody, that. everybody did a little bit better at acting in this movie. Yeah, just a little. Like bit. Ron and Hermione were were Moody bearable characters. Moody was great. Uh, the the actor that David Tennant, yeah, the was actor great. that played Moody just killed it. David Tennant was great. I mean, the the main cast is still great. Like Maggie Smith is such a great character as McGonagall, born to play that role. I, I think the most jarring part about this movie is all the guys' long hair. This would f- I feel like when you like see them all in succession, it's always such so jarring for me to see them all with like the early two thousand long hair. Oh, and this is this is the first time <laughs> we get Ray Fiennes as uh as Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. What a great performance for four movies, five movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really good. Four, five. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, yep. you know what? Math is hard. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a math liberal arts. Yeah. Major. Ray, Ray Fiennes as Voldemort. What a great cast. Like, dude, that guy's, he killed it. It was, it's terrifying. Just absolutely creepy as heck. You know what people really don't like about this movie is when Vol- when Dumbledore is like, did you put your name in the yeah, Goblet of Fire, yeah. Harry? This movie could have been perfect and Tumblr would still rip this movie apart for that. Yeah. I mean, it very clearly says. It's also like out of character for Dumbledore, even in the series, in the, in the film canon. You know, Dumbledore, I feel like would still just be like, did you put your name in the Goblet of Tire Harry? Yeah. Because Dumbledore is, like, he's always refined and controlled. Yeah. Yeah, he's level-headed. And, and yeah. the movie gives you more opportunities to figure out that Moody's the one messing things up, but it oh. doesn't beat you over the head with it still. It's, like, it's very yeah. cleverly put in there. Like, when Harry first it puts is. his, or Harry, Harry's name first comes out of the goblet, and everybody's like, well, he obviously did it, and Moody's just like, uh, no way, dude. It's a very complex magical item. It would take one of a confundus charm. Yep. I'll, I'll tell you this, both Goblet of Fire, um, I didn't, I did read Goblet of Fire before I saw the film. I don't know that I'd read Prisoner of Azkaban before I saw the film. I'm, I'm actually 100% sure I didn't. Both of them, you know, the prestige, the turn, the whatever you want to call it, the reveal was like, holy crap pants for me watching oh, yeah. the film. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Well, Who and is that's Peter the thing Pettigrew? is like, and, four is just not that well of a written book because y- there is no opportunity to figure out what's going on. Oh yeah, Moody's perfect. Yeah, and it's just it's a complete like when and then when the Porky thing happens and he's transported to the graveyard, there's no way you could have possibly figured that out. No, no like you not maybe yeah, in the movie, I, definitely not in the book. Especially when there's and like, like so much bloat in between all these like little bits. Right. There's it, like, no time. If you're listening to the audiobook, each of the tasks in the in the thing takes like an hour to listen to. Oh. It's it's a really long book. It was it was the first book I ever read that I was like I didn't want to go to sleep because I kept reading it. Yeah, I mean it's it's compelling throughout the book. There's a lot of detail, and this is what I wanted to bring up is like this in this book is where Harry learns to do magic. There are so many scenes of like Harry practicing the summoning charm. Harry practicing the vanishing charm. Harry learning the reductor curse. Harry learning the 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 uh, the stupefy thing. How to do all the stuff. It's like very long scenes where other stuff happens, but Harry's learning these things. And I think that was a very good choice on J.K. Rowling's part is to like say, okay, from here on out, Harry knows how to do some magic that isn't Expelliarmus. But that doesn't happen in the movie, obviously, because for various reasons. Uh, it can't happen in the movie because that would just make it even longer. And so all of a sudden Harry gets in the maze and just knows how to do real magic, like like combative magic. And that was something I think that was lost. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be really difficult to include that. But yeah, I totally get what you mean. So this is what I was talking about earlier, Ty, when you were like, Harry learns, you know, how to do all the Hermione knows all this stuff that's like above her year. And yeah, it's it's it talked about that it was above his year because they're learning stuff that the seventh year should know. Right. Anything to say to that or 
anything. Oh, I, I thought you were adding a, uh, adding on to that point. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it frustrates me because, like, Ron does really well in book five on his OWLs, but, like, they never learn magic. Like, if Harry wasn't like, we're doing Dumbledore's army, they're just lazy students. Yeah. Yeah, they... Like, all of them. It's not just Harry, Ron, and Hermione. It seems like everyone is super lazy. Yep. It's But thank goodness Hermione studies with them. I don't know. They they talk in the fourth book about how Harry's the only one that can't figure out the summoning charm, so he has to do extra charms work. So, like, everybody else, including Neville, has to do... Or can get the summoning charm. Neville. So like Neville. In the books, there is just enough, like, hey, they went to class occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, I mean, and the fifth book is just Harry going to class for eight months before he has to go to the ministry. It's very interesting. It's a good one. Um, anyway, uh, I mean, I, I really like I really like Goblet. I think it's really good. Um, it's, ve- it's again, it's very well shot. It's not Alfonso Cuaron again. I guess they couldn't afford him for more than one. Or No, this is, uh, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, Newell, Newell, who did um, just this one. I don't know. I don't know, but he got, so Chris Columbus got paid $15 million to make um, Sorcerer's Stone, just Sorcerer's Stone. Newell got paid $1 million to make Goblet of Fire. Mike Newell. Mike Newell. Yeah. Born 1942. Yeah, he did a really good job for a million dollars. Yeah. I Can, know. Way better than loving the time of I Colorado. meant to say this uh, earlier when we were talking about the last movie, but like... Can you imagine being Chris Columbus? It's like, you thought you did a really good job on one and two. You're like, I'm the Harry Potter director. I made these movies. This is what it's going to look like. I know they fired me, but this is what it's going to look like. And then Alfonso Cuaron comes in like a real director and it's just like, yeet. Well, Alfonso Cuaron at the time had only made two movies and one of them was like like a pornographic film. I mean, yeah, but he's like a real director though. Like he has vision. Chris Columbus doesn't, Chris Columbus makes campy movies. Yeah. Which I felt, I feel like made sense at least for the first one, where it would feel really familiar and really got into establishing the world for a broad audience. But then after that, right. it was like, let's dive into the actual Harry Potter story. Well, yeah, let's make it for fans. Yep. Mike Newell did do Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is a pretty good movie. Yes, he did a bunch of good movies. He did Mona Lisa Smile. That was important. Whoa. Um, anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, so Mike Newell did, I guess, just this one, and then they got the guy that's done the rest of them, I think. Okay. Is it? I, I, I have no idea. Honestly, I... Um, what is it? What is his name? Hold on. David Yates. David Yates is has done all of them since five, including Fantastic Beasts. Oh, really? Is he doing the new Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, he he, is. that's like his job wow. now. Sweet job. That he's the Harry Potter director. Yeah, yeah I know, yeah, like right? He's done. He did like nothing before that. He did some TV, and then he did Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood Prince and Harry Potter, and the Deathly Hallows Part One and Deathly Hallows Part Two and Fantastic Beasts and the new Fantastic Beasts and the next three Fantastic Beasts. What a great job! <laughs> right. To have. Yeah. Just like retainer Harry Potter director. His only film before this was called The Girl in the Cafe. Goodness. Well, yeah, I don't like, know how you get that job. I guess he probably just, yeah. and that's what I'm thinking is like, you, you, at this point, you probably like applied for the job. And that's probably why my, why Mike Newell only got a million bucks is because it's probably like, hey, we're just going to pick the guy that wants to do it most. Right. The Girl in the Cafe from 2005 had Bill Nye in it. I like him. Bill Nye. Nye. Yeah. I get, you got to clarify David, with these Chris Columbus, Bill Nye David, types. uh. Mm-hmm. Davy Jones? Yeah. Do you fair death? Jack Sparrow. Um, anyway, so Mike Newell did a really good job with this movie. It is really well shot. It's a lot darker than, like, like cinematically a lot darker than uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, and that just sets forth a trend to the point where by the time Deathly Hallows Part 2 comes out, you can't even see anything. It's just a black yeah, screen full of shouting. It's just so dark. Everyone looks gray. <laughs> yeah, it's every... All the, yes, everyone looks They talk about how gray. in big blockbuster movies, there's, like, everything's blue and orange. Nope, from here on out, it's just blue. Everything is just right. shades of blue. It's all serious... No. What I love is the just the, the, the marching band that starts playing when Cedric comes back, when Harry comes back with Cedric's dead body. 
They start playing this joyous fanfare. And, and then it's one person notices. It's the, the girl contestant. Yeah. I forgot her name. Fleur like, de la Cour. Fleur de la Cour. Oh. And everyone's like, what? Ugh. Yeah. Cedric's real dead. <laughs> There's not a there's not a ton to say about this movie. They 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 did what they had to do. There's a bunch of like big hitting points in this movie they had to hit. This book actually has a pretty progressive story where it's like stuff happens and then there's a task and then stuff happens and then there's a task and stuff happens and then there's a task and then he fights Voldemort. Yeah. Is it's not just eight months of school and then Voldemort. Hello, children, time for death. Hey, have you prepared for the Quidditch match against the keys? <laughs> Right. It's like there's stuff constantly going on. There's a big fight between Harry and Ron, and ha- all of it happens in the book. They they got down like a, with a whiteboard list of this is what we have to do in this movie, and all of it's done. It's it's a very plot-heavy movie that moves you from the early part of the series into the next part of the series. Yeah. It's Prisoner of Azkaban set the tone, but Goblet of Fire is the turning point of the the story. Right. This well, is, Voldemort's yeah, Voldemort back. has officially yeah. returned. It's Hermione, like, Hermione even says, it's like, things end, have changed. Everything, she's like, everything's oh gonna be gosh. different. And then, pause, and then Harry just goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that scene is so poorly Oh acting. my god. Like, I don't think, like, after, after the uh, scene where Cedric dies and they do all that, everything just gets, like, light yeah. and cheery again, and Hermione's like, yeah. Hermione is literally smiling, being like, everything's different now, And Harry's isn't it? like, yes. And then they walk forward onto the back balcony and there's people just like waving in slow motion <laughs> and then the yeah. carriage flies by and you see the ship dip under the water i i didn't understand that ending. I, I feel like there could have been a more a stronger ending to be like more like an empire wrap-up where it's like right. this is not good no like, after right. yeah after like once they cut from that scene where, where dumbledore and is interrogating moody and it's just like an uncomfortable 15 seconds of silence looking at dumbledore's face before he goes like we experience a really terrible thing. <laughs> and then... And he's like sitting back in his chair like the Jarl of uh, West Rock. Right, it's like Run. they got a new director. It's like a whole new movie. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on at this ending? Why is Dumbledore not like successfully consoling Why is he crowd? not sad? Yeah, he's just sitting there like like Theoden and Rohan. He's like, he looks bored. <laughs> yeah. You have no power here, Gandalf. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, it's such a weird ending because up until the movie, it's 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 very fast paced, but also very very slow at the same time. It's like you feel <laughs> so, like a lot's happening, but no time passes. True, and it's all random stuff. It's it's like not always connected to the overall plot. Right. Hey, hey Siri, tell Alexa to tell Google to tell Seamus to tell Ron that to tell Pavarotti that to tell Hermione that Hagrid is looking for Harry. <laughs> don't make me don't repeat make that me again. Repeat it. <laughs> I felt so bad for her in that scene where Ron's just standing there and he's just super awkward and like won't talk to Harry. That's the other thing. Is that really what 14 year old guys do? Like, oh my God. Serious uh, silent treatment? Serious on my phone behind me, sitting on my bed, just like yapping away. <laughs> <laughs> tell who to tell what? <laughs> I think, I don't, I don't really remember being 14 that well. I know Ethan and I were friends and we fought about stuff. I have no idea if it was like long periods of not talking to each other or not. Holy was 14, crap. My favorite year. scene in this movie movie speaking of the the end Ingrid. of this fight my favorite scene in this movie is when harry comes back from the task with the egg and he's in gryffindor common room partying and everybody's super happy they like friend george have him lifted up on his shoulders and he opens the egg and it just screams at him 
That scene was shot so and perfectly. Then, and then Marlon's like, what the bloody hell was that? And George makes a, George yeah. or Fred, I don't know which one, makes a really uncomfortable comment. It's like, all right, you'll go to bed now. This is going to be bad enough without you staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did like it, though. It, it's it's not the best film in the series. It's good, though. I think it's better than the first two. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. I See, when I went into rewatching this, for the review. All I really remembered was that he does these three tasks and Voldemort comes in the end. So I was just waiting to the end, but watching it to comb through it, I noticed that there were so many more details and so much more interesting plot that tied it all together. And I, I came out of it feeling like it was such a better movie than I remember. So being older watching this movie, I appreciated the movie so much more. I will definitely agree with that, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of detail that goes into this one. Mm-hmm. I'll agree. It's a good movie. It's a good not movie. Enough, enough I enjoy it. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to... Are you guys ready to rank? Yeah, we can rank. What do you think of Voldemort as a villain? He's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just terrifying. Mm -hmm. He really does come back that when he really does kill Cedric. I think he... In this particular film, he does does pretty well. I'm going to give him an 8 out of 10. I'll agree with that. I... I think that's a, a fair rating in this one, especially because other ones, I mean, sometimes he like he dips in his theatrics and everything, but this one, he seems the most focused on being intimidating and evil. Yeah, I'll agree. So where does this go on the Harry Potter ranking? I think it goes below Fantastic Beasts. Below Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. I'll agree with that. I, yeah, I think. Ooh. Go ahead. I was, I'm, I was going to put it above Fantastic Beasts. I feel like. Interesting. Yeah, I think Fantastic Beasts well, gets muddled and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't totally groove with the the whole story of Fantastic Beasts. It doesn't feel super necessary. I really enjoy the lore and the the creatures that go along with it, but I feel like I enjoy Goblet of Fire more. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just think Fantastic Beasts is more fun to watch. I enjoy watching a little more, and I'm I think it tells the story a little bit better. That's that's fair enough. Like I think d- th- I think that's the part this one sort of lacked was the storytelling. Yeah, we're back on storytelling. That is true. Fantastic Beasts is a fun film where Goblet of Fire. There's interesting plot points, but it doesn't execute them the best. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. It's a good movie. It's fun to watch, but it's kind of a mess. Yeah, it is a stew of, of stuff to go through. Fair enough. I so agree. where where do we want to put it? Are we going above or below? We're going below okay. Fantastic Beasts. Cool. That, I've heard that gives both us sides. a lot of real estate to work with for ranking it overall. And that was that honestly is, is where, where the uh, argument was coming in. Because if it's better than Fantastic Beasts, then it's like top ten. And if it's not, then it's Okay, so we've got we've got Fantastic Beasts ranked at twelve <laughs> and Sorcerer's Stone ranked at thirty. With the entire MCU pretty much between them. <laughs> not the entire Close. MCU, okay. but honestly, not much of the MCU. Um, I don't know. It's got Black is, Panther, Iron see. Man, Spider-Man, Captain America, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers, Doctor Strange, Captain America, the First Avenger, and uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and Ant-Man. That's quite a few MCU movies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick something that's not Marvel to... Pair it with? See, to, to not necessarily pair it with. I just want to know, above or below, from, from Isaac's perspective... Mm-hmm. Is this movie better than the Lego movie? Um, and that's a that's a stark comparison. I'll give you that. I, but I mean, they're kind of the same. The Lego movie towards the end, Voldemort shows up. I mean, Voldemort's in the Lego movie, but like Will Ferrell shows up and he's kind of Voldemort. I'd say that this is worse than the Lego movie. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I love the Lego movie. I, I don't think higher. it's as good as Guardians of the Galaxy either. Okay. So let me drop down then. 
Solo, a Star Wars story. I I think it's worse than Solo. I kind of kind of do okay. too. I love Solo, so I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah, it's better than Ready, Ready Player, Player One. One. I haven't seen that movie. It, it, Ready okay. Player One has uh, some similar issues, but I think this is a more effective piece of storytelling than Ready Player One. They're pretty parallel in terms of story, yeah. actually. Yeah, there's three tasks and a, and a big the, fight. Yeah. yeah, that's a good spot for it. So, um, above or so, I, do you want to put it above or below? What's your instinct? My instinct is okay, above. So, Ready right Player above Ready Player One. Well, there's Captain America, the first Avenger, and Doctor Strange in there as well. I think those are both probably yeah. better, so right above Ready Player One is fine, but I just wanted to give the, the conversation I'm, an opportunity. I just think that they're, they're now that you brought that parallel up, now that you brought that parallel up, I do think it kind of belongs there, right there with that one. I can sort of talk sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're a robot. Yes. You guys have finally figured me out. You can, if you don't want me to find out, you have to talk in CAPTCHA. <laughs> Pick every picture that has a Jedi Master in it. HP 4. Okay. Cool. Right above Ready Player One. All right, now, guys, um, we have to give breakfast foods to all four of these movies because we forgot to do it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Harry okay. Potter, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone breakfast food. I think orange juice is involved. Okay. Mm. Why? Um, I think it's like a like a simple breakfast, like like uh two sausage links, two two eggs and then scramble with cheese, of course. And then cuz 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 actually it's 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 not a simple breakfast. It's actually a large it's a platter breakfast. Okay, because Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, like one of the most magical moments in the whole movie has to do with food in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, when the food shows up on the tables and that's like, oh my God, how did they even make that happen? Which is like, it's called editing, okay? Look, Look it up. up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, to me, that was that that's one of the most magical parts of the movie. So I'm, I'm looking at like a large scale family style buffet, maybe homestead or what's the what's the place called? The home place? Yeah, that's, an, uh, that's uh, a very regional specific thing to bring up. <laughs> But like a, like a family style bed and breakfast sort of breakfast. Maybe not sausage and gravy and grits. It's not southern. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a traditional English breakfast. I'm pretty sure we already gave a full English breakfast to something else. That's okay. You can apply the breakfast <laughs> okay. over and over again. Bacon and eggs is reserved, I believe, for Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I think so. So what is uh, what is Chamber of Secrets then? It's a little bit uh, a little bit damp. Yeah. It is damp. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um, I don't know, like petrified eel. Is that a type of breakfast? Petrified <laughs> eel. <laughs> <laughs> a million dollars is cool. You know what's cool? A basilisk. <laughs> I don't know. Watson, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna ask you, Ethan. Do you have a breakfast for Chamber of Secrets? Uh, I do feel like it's got some some weird like it's like it's like like bull penis it's like or eggs something. and toast but like the egg juice no there's a like there's has a like run meat. onto the there's toast a, yeah i was thinking it's kind of runny no super super runny. it is definitely runny eggs uh i think i mean to me the basilisk is so important you've got to incorporate that it's like what what's one of those weird meats that they always have on like good mythical morning or something know. you know like like fried eel or something, something I've, like I've that. had fried eel on Unagi. sushi before it's called unagi. Oh. Do people eat that at I don't breakfast think time? So. This can be breakfast sushi. That's fine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like it's like rice and it. eggs and eel. <laughs> That's a breakfast. Um, yeah. So I think, and I mean that, you know, that just encapsulates. You know, it's 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 not your everyday film. You know, it's. It's got a giant snake in it, and that's <laughs> <laughs> like way too much eel in this sushi. <laughs> <laughs> like a full-sized eel in the chopped sushi roll. I've never eaten slug before. Oh, it could have slug. Ugh. Flesh-eating slug repellent. Um, that is what Hagrid's in Nocturne Alley for. Now, Isaac, mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the the Prisoner of Ass Cabin. <sighs> you... Okay. 
What 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 is this for breakfast? What is this? For I breakfast? feel like I feel like it's a hungry breakfast. I know the film's very good. Yeah. I'm gonna let somebody else say something. I've got something in mind, but I want somebody else to give me an answer before I say it. I I'd say it's like it's like a McGriddle sandwich. It's. A McGriddle yes. sandwich. Defend that. So the McGriddle is it's got everything on it. It's got it's got the sausage, it's got the cheese, it's got the eggs, and it's got the the pretty much a pancake as the buns. So it's delicious yeah. and very <laughs> filling. Well, not filling, high caloric intake. You you're getting a lot of Harry Potter. <laughs> it's really good. But when you're done with it, you're still not full. So you know that more is to come. More is to come. So this is that's that's a yeah, it's got everything. That's a good point. I think that's a good point. My only retort would be maybe a Taco Bell breakfast quesadilla. Ooh. And I say that originally what I was going to say was like unbuttered toast, right? Because I was just thinking about prison food, <laughs> like the worst possible prison food, like maggot eaten unbuttered toast. Uh, but now I'm thinking you, you made a good point with the it gives you everything you need. But Taco Bell breakfast, not only does it give you everything you need, but then you revisit it a few hours later in the restroom. <laughs> it lingers a little bit longer. It lingers. And it lingers. Not only that, but you re-experience re <laughs> the last three hours of your life. <laughs> See, now I'm just stuck on that scene from Lord of the Rings where they're talking about whether or not they can eat the hobbits. The orcs. And the one's just like, we ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. <laughs> And the other one's like, yeah, <laughs> let's have some meat. <laughs> Ethan, I need you to give me a breakfast for Goblet of Fire. <laughs> I can't think about anything but that dude going, man flesh. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, there's something to be said about man flesh. Me, I think. Let a, me tell you what nice Goblet of Fire hearty... is not. Is like a breakfast quesadilla with a man flesh. <laughs> It's not a breakfast quesadilla, but quite possibly grilled hobbits. Grilled okay. hobbits. <laughs> you can boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. You gotta level with me here. There is there is a stew that a human being, a small human being, enters and then <laughs> exits much larger. <laughs> is that what it is for like Voldemort oh. cereal? <laughs> Voldios. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was kind of funny. And each time they added something, they would do a direct shot over it and do like slow mo of it, like yeah. splashing. Oh my god, <laughs> such an uncomfortable scene. Also, what Voldy kind of knife is that? They can just slice straight through like arm bone. Yeah, he was just like, "All right, I gotta do a little sacrifice." I'm like, "Oh yeah, drop a blood." Nope, there goes his whole hand, the whole arm. Man flesh. Oh, man flesh. <laughs> So, I think man flesh is a great answer. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. In milk, of course. <laughs> In milk. Voldios, like I said. <laughs> oh. oh, my God, I'm dying. Well, we lost control of that one pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. We've ranked everything. We've... Ooh, man. Everything is, is a wrap. Alright, I think we're good. Anybody got any last thoughts about anything? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. Isaac, where do people find you? Thank you so much for joining us on Bacon and Eggs. I do pray that if we ever ask again, you'd be willing to return because this has been a blasty blast. Mm -hmm. I, of course, I, it was a pleasure to be on. 
Um, if you want to find me, uh, main places on YouTube, uh, find me at Watso Videos. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. So those are all great places. And Twitter. How long have you been on Twitter? I've not, not extremely long. And the one thing interesting is like, I made all these social media channels, but I haven't been promoting them since the beginning of my channel. Right. So they're, they're a little tiny, but I promise I, I do good stuff. I do good that stuff. Is, that is the main thing difference between you and are... Seamus, is that like, you guys both have a similar subscriber count, subscriber count, but every single time Seamus is just like, follow me on all my social medias. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's Gorman Seamus 4, Seamus Gorman <laughs> It's, it's Seamus Gorman 4 is his Instagram, and Gorman Seamus is his Twitter. <laughs> Gorman Seamus, follow me on Bandcamp, follow yeah. me on <laughs> he is, SoundCloud. He is just a relentless <laughs> plugger. <laughs> Which is... Which is great. Uh, which is super de duper. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Harry Potter. No, of, of, of Bacon and Eggs, a movie lovers podcast. We've just wait, Bacon and Eggs, a movie lovers podcast with new episodes every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts, with and now on Spotify. <laughs> the very same. Thank you so much for listening. And and this is a call to action. What that is is when I say. You know what, listeners, we appreciate you. It would really be great if you could do this. And and I'm just going to ask for what I want right here. Listeners, if you could tell a friend about this podcast this week, we're trying to grow, trying to get bigger, and we just really want to make this thing as busy, big as it can possibly be. So I am asking you to tell a friend about the podcast and then, like, tweet at us about who you told and, I don't know, do something, whatever. Our Twitter is at BaconAndEggs23. Figure something out. Find a creative way to tell us how you told somebody about the podcast, and I will shoot a personal Instagram video saying thank you so much for telling so-and-so about the podcast, and I'll send it to you. I'm not going to post it to my story, but we'll discuss the whole thing. Just We'll have a DM going on Instagram. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'm Tyler Carlin. He's Ethan Edgehill. That's Isaac Carlson from Watso Videos, which sounds like an entire studio, but it's actually just one person, but with the quality of content they put out, it looks like an entire studio. He's so good. Um, what else? Uh, you can buy Bacon like Next Hats here at on... The uh... You can buy our merchandise holy crap we actually sell merch you can buy our merch at whatever the link is in the description of this wherever you're listening to it or whatever the description section of yeah. that website you're a it smart have, person it, you found it may podcasts. have changed since we talked about it because you may be listening to this in 10 years but we probably still have merch up we definitely <laughs> still have merch up additionally what's new right now um oh we just got a p.o box have you ever wanted to send something to bacon and eggs well now you can P.O. Box 3025, Roanoke, Virginia, 24015. You can send us whatever you want. All of this episode, I've been playing with this pillow. It sounds like this. It's a real... It has been making me so happy. ASMR content right there. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're breaking into the ASMR scene. That's sound the, of me the rubbing a plastic phase. fork against the microphone. <laughs> I, I hope you cool along with That's that. That's the next phase of making it next. Say it again. Um, but we, we you better you better cool along when you're rubbing that fork. Mm, good fork. <laughs> oh man, what a, this episode's been a blast. I'm having a lot of fun right now. All right, guys. I think that's I. everything for this week. Uh, our, oh, our our logos and graphics are done by Graphite, and you can find them on Instagram at graphite.vmb. And you know the artwork is super great, and we're really appreciative to them for doing it. And I think that's everything we talk about at the end of the podcast. But I'm just gonna decide it's everything we talk about at the end of the podcast. I've been Ethan Edgehill. He's been Tyler Carlin. Him over there in Wisconsin has been Isaac Carlson. And until next week, Arrivederci. Avada Kedavra. <laughs>